You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Welcome to Teller from Jerusalem. We are very pleased to share our thoughts with you. And as we pledged long ago regarding our character series, of which this episode belongs, you'll walk in one way and dance out quite another. This is our third installment on criticism. If you have listened to the first two, I'm pleased that you're tuning in to hear this episode. And this 20-minute presentation represents over a dozen hours of preparation. If you'd care to hear the early installments, and for that matter, any Teller from Jerusalem episode, since we started in February 2021, nothing could be easier on any platform where you desire to hear podcasts. There you'll find the very exciting and poignant history of the early struggle to build the State of Israel, and every fourth podcast is a character installment such as this one. There is only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Aristotle. In today's episode, we'll be culling some wisdom from very clever people to help us implement some of the principles that we've already discussed. We have been jockeying back and forth between the advantage of offering constructive criticism, which any true friend will or should do, and the harm that criticism often causes with no positive upside or effect. Let's get back in the saddle and jockey some more. My son-in-law related to me a worthwhile analogy in the name of a colleague of mine. I just called up my colleague to verify, and he didn't even remember even saying it, but the call nonetheless proved to be productive. Before we get to this contribution, let's share the analogy that he denied stating. Constructive criticism is analogous to someone throwing a 30-carat diamond at your chest. It hurts, but a wise person will, will ask for more. He'll pick it up and then ask for some more. If someone criticizes you constructively, of course it will bother you. If they criticize you unconstructively, it will bother even more. But once this thing has dimmed, it pays. And here's the filter if you are truly a wise individual to ponder if you have something to learn from what has been said. If you are a wise individual, as King Solomon pronounces in Proverbs, you will love reproof and criticism that is constructive, as it will enable you to improve. The opposite of constructive criticism, which you have to learn to walk away from, is useless criticism, for it is, well, useless. Criticism, even if it's constructive, can sometimes sting. If you've poured time, effort, or money into something, and it can be tough to hear someone point out its flaws. However, Constructive criticism is also incredibly valuable, enabling you to hone whatever it is you are working on and improve it for the better. The next time you receive constructive criticism or uh, helpful feedback, as they call it, uh, about something that you have grown close to, keep these tips in mind to make the most of it instead of letting it get you down or make you angry for any reason. First, look past your initial reaction. No matter how good you get at accepting constructive criticism, it's almost always going to hurt at first. Human beings hate criticism more than anything else. Many people get bogged down in this initial reaction, growing more offended 
uh, the more they focus on the criticism they received and becoming defensive rather than using the criticism as an opportunity to improve. It's okay to be a little hurt when you first receive constructive criticism. Just make sure you quickly move past that initial reaction and begin approaching the criticism in a sincere and beneficial manner so that you can learn and grow from it rather than just becoming angry. Second, ask questions about how you can improve. When somebody gives you constructive criticism, you should be quick to ask them how they think you can improve. Most of the time, if a person's critiques are valid, then they may already have an idea in mind for how you can address them. However, they may not share it with you unless you ask. So be sure to delve deeper into a person's criticism or <laughs> negative opinion, asking them to clarify and for other suggestions. When they do clarify, uh, listen intently and take their suggestions to heart. They may not always be valuable to you, but many times they will be. Many people's lives have been changed over the years by one piece of feedback that set them in a different direction. Third, thank them for their feedback. Although it may be difficult, it's important to be grateful for constructive criticism. After all, it can be incredibly valuable and can save you from costly pitfalls down the road. Part of the process of being grateful for constructive criticism, though, is to voice your gratitude. For one, thanking a person for their feedback will go a long way to helping you accept it and make the most of it. When you say thank you for your comment, you go completely neutral. You're not angry, you're not upset, you're not anything. Thank you is a wonderful word or words. In addition to this, though, you will show the person that you truly appreciate their input, which will make them more likely to further help you later on. The truth is that most people are hesitant to offer feedback in the form of constructive criticism, even if they see something that you can change dramatically and improve, because they recognize that it opens them up to criticism as well. If you show, though, that you are gracious in the face of criticism and even appreciate it, chances are they will continue to be honest with you in the future. And honesty is invaluable. The believing individual understands that whatever happens in life, good or bad, is for a purpose. If you encounter a man limping on crutches, it is not random. So many beneficial thoughts can be summoned, starting with, thank God I have two good legs. Maybe I have an opportunity to help out this person. This is what a wise person will do in every situation. The connection, of course, is that obviously God wanted you to hear this criticism. You'll gain from this, as Rabbi Benish Ginsburg likes to say, for the better or the better. In this context, Rabbi Noah Horlowick says that it is an absolute blessing if you are criticized when you are younger. This is analogous to catching a disease early on. If you catch a disease early, especially if it is a nefarious one, there may be multiple options as to how to lick it. But once it's advanced, there are very limited options. Indeed, there may be none at all. Had this only been detected earlier, there would have been a chance to cure the problem. It might have only required minor surgery. But later on, ay, 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 the problem is too permeated to be extracted. So my friend Banish Ginsburg, this all goes back to that mistaken productive phone call, gave as an example, if a principal were to call a rookie teacher out in the carpet for her or his teaching methodology, this could be nearly devastating for the novice teacher, but factually it is a blessing 
not in disguise. After three years teaching, how much more so after 40 years of teaching, it will be nigh impossible for a teacher to change their style and methodology. But now, because of this criticism, the principal has awarded the teacher with a gift that she can utilize for the next 40 plus years. A component of Shana Rishona, the first year of marriage, is building up a bank account of positivity. And obviously until the bank account is built up, withdrawals cannot be made. Criticism will never be effective unless a person has trust that you want only their good. Someone has commented that Shana Rishona, the first year of marriage these days, should be probably adjusted to more like the first five years of marriage. Someone who has the proper self-esteem can handle constructive criticism. As a matter of fact, someone with the proper self-esteem can handle any criticism and change and improve. I think everyone understands that without proper self-esteem, people will not behave or perform as they should. In fact, they will behave unsatisfactorily to live up to their low image and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Liking ourselves, having high self-esteem as we tend to put it, is crucial to any feeling of well-being. A person with low self-esteem cannot cope and will not listen and therefore cannot change nor progress. I have observed that people with the proper self-esteem are the ones that are the best qualified to offer constructive criticism. I remember I was in South Carolina, a guest of Dr. Brogy in his wonderful community, and a boy approached with his parents and the boy was maybe three, four years old with very, very long hair. I suspect his hair was never cut. And Dr. Brogy went over to, this, to the parents and said, you cannot do this to this boy, because if you don't cut his hair, he could become effeminate. He'll get confused in a girl and a boy. He said the right thing. But a person with low self-esteem would never be able to say that. I certainly couldn't have said it, but then again, I'm not Dr. Brogy. There's corroboration for what we have just been saying from a well-known biblical incident. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky notes that this is reflected in an episode of reproof that is recorded in the Bible. When Jacob arrived in, Jacob arrived in the middle of the workday, and he approached the well in Haran, and so that the shepherds were not working, he was appalled. He asked them, Achai, me'ayinatem. This is in Genesis chapter 20, 29, verse 4. My brothers... Where are you from? Why did Jacob approach these shepherds and address them as my brothers? He didn't even know who they were. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and I heard a similar interpretation of Rabbi Nissen Alpert, explains that Jacob spoke to them this way because he was about to rebuke them for failing to do their work. Jacob understood that in order to give proper critique, he had to convince the listeners that what he was saying was for their benefit. He therefore tried to create a relationship with them. My brothers, I feel a closeness to you. I want to have a connection to you. Only then, once he had established that brotherly connection, was he able to give them rebuke. Rabbi Chaim Malinowitz noted that the acid test if you are rebuking properly will be if the listeners respond by saying, thank you very much. According to this approach, the word rebuke could should be replaced by calling it advice, which is actually far more accurate. The medieval commentator Rabbeinu Yonah explains that one of the functions of a true friend is to offer criticism. 
This means that in order to criticize someone, you must first establish, not declare, your friendship. Fair-weather friends do not qualify. If you invest in the relationship beforehand, then the friendship can withstand hardships later on. Most children, or adults who are immature, do not understand that criticism and rebuke can be a sign of caring, love, and a sincere desire for the person who is being rebuked to have a better life. And just as a child does not understand why the parent is so angry as to why they did not come home on, on time from school, likewise, an adult may not grasp why his friends are being bellyaching about his wrinkled shirt. However, if there is a relationship of love and trust, then criticism will not, stain, will not strain the relationship. And here's an observation that I've had made many times, and it never ceases to amaze me. I often run at the track at Hebrew University Stadium. At any given time, there are several coaches training some of Jerusalem's finest athletes. As you can imagine, most of these coaches are rail thin and their legs are bulging with muscles like a mountain range. There is, however, one Russian coach, I call him Boris, I don't really know his name, who is as heavy as his very heavy accent. Boris is really corpulent, shall we say, and it does not look like he was ever involved in sports other than as a spectator. His demeanor is also very different from the other coaches, who are always gushing compliments and encouragement to their trainees. You can do it! You can do it! Just 20 more meters! Come on! Full steam! Full steam! Let's go! Boris is always yelling at and reproving his athletes that they should have been one second faster, lifted their heels higher, moved their arms swifter. Before we condemn Boris, the unmistakable fact is that he trains the very, very best and fastest runners, and they wouldn't go to him unless they wanted to be at the very highest professional level. You don't go to him to have your ego stroked. Boris's trainees understand that every curse and insult that he dishes out is for their betterment. No matter how well you do, it will always earn his wrath. Here's an example of where scathing critique is appreciated. And the athletes realize that every yell is exclusively for their betterment. This is a far, far cry, pardon the pun, from Tom Hanks' immortal line, Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. And just as the runners value Boris's critique, if we would also learn to weather criticism, we'd also prosper from it. As long as a trusting relationship exists, criticism is a sign of love and caring. Rabbi Dr. Abram J. Tversky would often relate that one year on the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, when Rabbi Tursky was a very young boy, there was a guest in his home who challenged him to a game of chess. Later, Rabbi Tursky's father called in his son to his study and said, Abraham, you play chess on Rosh Hashanah. The boy answered, yes, but the guest is a learned person, and he said, it's okay. The father repeated, you play chess on Rosh Hashanah, and you know it was inappropriate. Rabbi Tursky's father felt that it was clearly inappropriate to play chess in Rosh Hashanah, and his son should have known better. Young Abraham Tursky accepted the rebuke, 
and as he was about to leave, his father said to him with a twinkle in his eye, But did you checkmate him? You did that, didn't you? Rabbi Tversky writes that he remembers and treasures that line from his father even 70 to 80 years later. And Rabbi Tversky's own words written over a jubilee after this event, This little scene could not have been orchestrated more perfectly. I had done something wrong. I was held accountable. I sincerely regretted my misdeed, and this wiped the slate clean. It was now time for some positive stroking. One can admonish and chastise without crushing another's ego. Some sternness need not be cruel to be effective. Effective parenting mandates not to scold and beat down on a child, but to highlight that inappropriate behavior is beneath them. The word for rebuke in Hebrew, explained Rabbi Aaron Soloveitchik, is tochacha, which comes from the word lehochiach, which means to prove. Our job is to prove to the person that we are criticizing that it is only your deeds that belittle who you truly are. And this behavior is not only beneath you, but it is totally not you. I'd like to wrap this episode with some, as always, wise advice from my friend Charlie Harari, who offers these points on constructive criticism and feedback. Constructive criticism is one of the most important things you need to know in the, in the business world. In fact, I think it's one of the most important things you need to know in the world in general. If you can't give criticism, then people around you can't grow. If that criticism is not constructive, then you're just basically tearing people down. So the question is, how do you give criticism that's constructive? I'm gonna give you five quick tips. You hold on to these fives, I think it's gonna help you. Number one is timing. Never give criticism in the moment when something's happening. Nobody really wants your, your opinion when things are going on. No one ever comes down from a speech and goes, how did I do? And you go, well, you know, you're a little boring. No one wants that. When you're in the moment, you can't give negative feedback because it's too personal, it's too raw, it's too real. Wait, wait until it's done. Wait until the project is out. Wait until they're down from the stage. Wait until they're putting the dress on the next time. Wait until he's wearing or he's doing that thing again. Never give criticism in the moment in which the action is taking place. Number two, check yourself. Really important. Many times we have our own personal issues with people. We have stuff. We got baggage. We have different ways of doing business. We have different ways of acting. We have, you know, people in our lives that have offended us or their presence threatens us. And when they mess up, we can use criticism as sort of this like way in to getting at them. You see, constructive criticism is about them, not you. Number three, use a straw man. What do I mean? Many times when you're looking at somebody, if two people are sitting around, they can look at something a third party and go, they're doing this, they're doing that. You can sit around, you can watch something, you can read something. It's easier for somebody to judge what went wrong when it's not them. We have this amazing mechanism where we're always trying to protect ourselves. That's how we're raised. That's how we live. And the minute I feel that I'm threatened, my dukes go up. Sometimes I've done this where I wanted to give criticism and what I do is I go back into my own life where I failed and tell the person the story where I failed, what happened to me when I was younger or last week. We tell a story of where someone famous who now has made it failed. We tell stories or you say things, you use a straw man, but together in their mind, so to speak, they form a judgment. They can see it in a certain way 
and then later you bring it back and it's so much easier than to say, oh my gosh, I see it. Number four, key, actions, not people. This is so important. If somebody sent out an article with mistakes, it's not their lazy or sloppy in their editing work. It's the article went out with mistakes. It's the editing process was broken. It's something went wrong along the way. And if you can look at someone's actions and criticize the actions, then it allows the person to feel, okay, I agree or disagree, but we can work on that together. And the last piece to it all, don't share your feedback until you need to. If someone's done with something and they don't need to hear it, don't share it. Wait until they're about to do it again. If someone comes down and looks a certain way, don't share your opinion unless they're gonna wear it again to something else. If someone speaks, don't share what you said unless you know they're gonna get up again. Wait, hold back. You don't have to share your thoughts at the end of something if that person never does it again. You can wait until you share your thoughts at the beginning of something. And you can say, listen, last time this happened, this time can you be more careful? And if you can make sure that you check yourself, that it's not personal, if you can make sure that it's actions and not people, that it's the straw man, and that you're timing it right, and that you're worried about ultimately them, what happens is that feedback comes across as being constructive because it actually helps them construct a better way of doing things. And then they grow and they don't take it offensively and then ultimately everything around you grows to becoming better than it was before. Thank you for listening. Please tell others to give us a listen and subscribe. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit tellerfromjerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting the TFJ code, you'll receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to telefromjerusalem.com.